um, prayer blankets, and those of you that have uh, worshipped with us for any length of time now have, um, have seen this ministry, but if you're new with us, you may not have seen um, these blankets, and it's just a, uh, one of our outreach ministries, and um, really opportunities, one, to focus our prayers, and also to engage in hands-on ministry. So this morning, um, in all of our services, we are blessing um, these blankets, over 100 blankets this morning that are being blessed in the three services, um, 17 uh, ladies that have been a part of this, crafting and making and crocheting, whatever the proper word, putting these together, um, uh, this, this ministry, and, uh, and if you are new to us, and if this is not something you've seen before, uh, what these blankets are up here for is for, for you to take with you when you leave. And maybe there's somebody who's on your heart that, uh, that you know that could use a blanket. Um, they come with uh, a prayer blessing on them. Over here to my right and to your left um, are the blankets for adults, and over here are blankets for infants and children. And if you'd like to take one, that's exactly what they're for. After the service, uh, come up and take a blanket and take it to somebody. And as I always say, every time I say this, and if you really need one, take one for yourself. That's okay, too. And then also in the box are these uh, little pocket blankets that you can use and put in your pocket or give to somebody as just a reminder of God's presence. So um, we're going to, in just a moment, uh, lift that um, up in prayer and invite you to, uh, to be in prayer for that. And then I also want to give you an invitation during communion time. If you'd like to come and kneel and put your hands on a blanket and pray for whoever will receive it, do that. That is, that is A-OK. That's really our way to engage ministry and be hands-on. So let's, uh, let's do a, a prayer together. Let's, let's ask God to bless these blankets. Let's go to the Lord. Lord, thank you for the ways that, that you engage us. You call us to be engaged in, in ministry. Uh, of loving and caring and reaching to people, sometimes in their most vulnerable and difficult and, and darkest moments. And we thank you for the hands that have prepared these blankets, for their, their time and for their investment um, of their gifts. And we would pray for all who will receive these blankets. And in between those, use us. Use us to be conduits, to be vessels of, of your love and and really the hands and feet of Jesus. So just anoint these, this ministry and, and bless all who, who will be a part of it in every way. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. So thank you for that. And um, also to keep in your prayers, just to add a couple things there, um, school starts tomorrow for our kids. So um, like I said, when you walk around and you, you'll know because the parents are smiling and the teachers are shaking. So um, anyway, but that does in all seriousness. starts tomorrow, and three schools, three brand new schools in our county, two of them right here in our community to be in prayer for. I mean, all the schools, but um, Parish Community High School, Barbara Harvey Elementary School, and then there's a new, I believe, middle school in Lakewood Ranch. And I have no idea of what the challenges are. goes with opening a brand new school, but I can only imagine there's a lot of them. So we want to pray for the administrators and teachers and really all the, the logistics of kind of learning the routine. So, so lift all of that up tomorrow. If you're out in the morning, be, be patient. Buses are going to be back out. You know this. You know how it goes. Um, we're, getting, we're starting now into the season, so you're going to have to start giving yourself more time to get places as we start to move into the, into the fall. But we want, to, we want to lift all of that up in prayers um, also want to celebrate today, we, we talk all the time about our prayer list and stuff, and 
Dave and Sue, it's good to have you back this morning. So uh, we celebrate that. Um, if you don't know Sue and Dave, they've been on our prayer list for months. So that's a, that's a joy. And then let me clarify something as a personal word of both appreciation but also clarification. Um, those of you that are on social media may have seen I posted this weekend about being um, over in Jupiter um, with, and I said Brian, uh, who is, let me kind of backtrack here. My brother is Brian, my son is Ryan. And I unintentionally created a little confusion there because I didn't clarify brother, and people saw those names kind of blend together, so a lot of people have been confused of who we're praying for. Um, it's my brother who had some heart concerns and, and had to um, have, went into AFib this week, and so he was over in Jupiter, and so my other brother Dave and I went over to be with him. He's doing well, he'll have a, um, a heart ablation tomorrow. But, but that's, it's all good and it's all positive. But, but I want to clarify, because some of you have come up and said, how's your son? Uh, he's good too, and you can pray for him. But this was my brother. So thank you for the prayers. Thank you um, for the outreach. And I apologize. I'll, I'll, in the future, make sure I clarify which family member I'm talking about when I, when I put that out there. Ryan's going to wonder why everyone's sending him notes going, we're praying for you. you know, so it's going to be a tough semester. So anyway, so all of that going on, so, so thank you for all of that. Now, let's shift gears. I'm guessing that in your experience, maybe growing up, or maybe with parents or grandparents or, or caregivers of some sort, you, you might have had um, dinner table rituals, things that you had to do maybe to help get ready for dinner. Maybe you had chores. Maybe you had jobs that you did before the family or whoever would sit down together to eat. But there's generally a universal rule that all of us had to learn as children and, and continue into adulthood of what we have to do before we sit down to eat. What is that universal rule? Wash your hands, right? I mean, wash your hands. Have you washed your hands? As parents, we say that to our kids. Have you washed your hands? And, and if you have kids like mine, um, sometimes you have to say, have you used soap? You know, <laughs> that's not fair. You know what? If you were a kid like me, you had to be asked, you know, did you use soap? Because sometimes, especially living in a house full of boys, we do the, the drive-by, you know, just turn the water on, get the hands wet and go. Um, but, but we know the importance of, of washing our hands, not just to get the dirt off, but because of, of germs and because of the ways that, that, we, get, that we get sick. Um, one, the doctor at, at, um, one of the founding doctors at Johns Hopkins said the two most important things to your health are washing your hands and common sense. You're washing your hands in, in common sense. And so we know how important that is. And, and if you start to pay attention, you can see how that's more, there's more opportunities. There's more places to kind of get clean, if you will, uh, in, in our society today than I ever remember growing up as, as a kid. Uh, when we were on vacation a few weeks ago um, with the family, we were, we were on a cruise ship. And, you know, cruises are very concerned about keeping things clean and sanitary. And I, and I noticed one day I was walking, one of the first days, I'm walking up to, to one of the dining areas, and they had this, this hand-washing station. But it wasn't the way, I'd, I'd never seen one like this before. It was, it was a little bit of a basin, but there wasn't a spigot, there was no knob you turned on for water, no soap dispenser. There were just these two holes. And what you did is you just stuck your hands in the holes, and it had a sensor, and then for 12 seconds, water, hot water circulated from about your forearm to your hands, soapy hot water, and just washed your hands for you. I mean, it couldn't have been any simpler. You didn't have to do anything. You just put your hands, it was wonderful. Every time I walked by it, I'd wash my hands. 
And that's what they want. I mean, they, we want uh, places now that have sometimes wash stations in the main eating areas because we know how important it is to have clean hands. Uh, hospitals are another place that you see this all over, understandably so. Uh, I remember years ago when I did my first work in a hospital setting in a, in a clinical pastoral education program, uh, it's the first time they, they mandated for us. I mean, they were adamant that we, w and, and at the hospital there where I was, it was, it was before you had the hand sanitizers everywhere. They had sinks outside every single room. So you washed your hands on the way in, and you washed your hands on the way out. And they warned us, this is no drive-by. You wash them. You know, you, you do see that, that for, that for us, because we're a bunch of pastors, they said, say the Lord's Prayer as you're washing your hands to make sure that, you know, you got clean. We, we understand that. We understand um, the need for, for physical cleanliness. We turn to our scripture reading today. We, we, we turn to Isaiah. Isaiah's, the God really, through Isaiah, has a point about the need to be clean but it's, it's a different kind of clean. It's not that same kind of, of physical clean, though the, the imagery used is, is very similar. So let's hear what God says to the people through the prophet Isaiah today. We're in the very first chapter in that Old Testament book of Isaiah. And this is, the whole book is, is God's vision, God's word to the people through Isaiah. And that's kind of what sets this up. We're going to skip the first 10 verses and pick up at verse 10. And this is what we hear. It says, hear the word of the Lord, you rulers of Sodom. Listen to the instruction of our God, you people of Gomorrah. The multitude of your sacrifices, what are they to me, says the Lord? I have more than enough burnt offerings of rams and of the fat of fatted animals. I have no pleasure in the blood of bulls and lambs and goats. When you come to appear before me, who has asked this of you, this trampling of my courts? Stop bringing meaningless offerings. Your incense is detestable to me. New moons, Sabbaths, and convocations. I cannot bear your worthless assemblies. Your new moon feasts and your appointed festivals. I hate with all my being. They have become a burden to me. I am weary of bearing them. When you spread out your hands in prayer, I hide my eyes from you. Even when you offer many prayers, I am not listening. Your hands are full of blood. Wash and make yourselves clean. Take your evil deeds out of my sight. Stop doing wrong. Learn to do right. Seek justice. Defend the oppressed. Take up the cause of the fatherless. Plead the case of the widow. Come now and let us settle the matter, says the Lord. Though your sins are like scarlet, they shall be white as snow. Though they are red as crimson, they shall be like wool. If you are willing and obedient, you will eat the good things of the land. But if you resist and rebel, you will be devoured by the sword. For the mouth of the Lord has spoken. Friends and sisters, this is the word of God for the people of God. Friends, let us pray. Lord, your words, your word to us today, it, it is challenging. Lord, help us to hear. Help us to be open to both the, the critique as well as the invitation that your holy word gives us today. And may these words that I speak, may they be pleasing to you. We pray in Christ Jesus. Amen. 
You've heard the same, I think. Cleanliness is next to godliness. Cleanliness is next to godliness. Now, you may think um, that's in the Bible. That's not in the Bible. That is attributed, and I did not know this to a, uh, until this week, I should say, uh, to a sermon of John Wesley in 1778. But, but it's familiar to us. Cleanliness is next to godliness, and this idea that these two things, and, and we often think of that in a, in a physical sense. Well, what God's Word, what these words of Isaiah today says, if that if cleanliness is next to godliness, the prophet says to the people, you, you couldn't be further away. You couldn't be further away. I mean, as I've read the Scripture in the first service, as I read it in this service, and, and just tried to kind of feel the room, feel your, your response, if, if that makes sense to you. Um, whether I'm projecting it or not, um, there's a, a weight to the words. I mean, if you are listening to this, this is not a feel-good Scripture. This is... This, I come from kind of a school of thought that when I'm critiquing somebody or offering constructive criticism, that's what we're, uh, no, we always give constructive criticism. Nobody ever wants to get it. It never really feels all that constructive. But we need to be able to hear that. But so if I'm in a situation where I'm sitting down with somebody and I need to give some feedback that might challenge or, or critique or even somewhat be critical, I'm kind of of that school of thought that I try to do the positives first. I try to kind of affirm some of the, the strengths of that individual and, and kind of maybe soften the blow a little bit of, of some of the harder words that might come. And I know I'm not the only one. You may, you may try to do that too. Um, Isaiah didn't do that. Isaiah doesn't do it. As, as the people of Judah, the southern kingdom, have gathered, and they've had a tough time. And they're coming thinking the prophet is going to speak some words that, that assure us that, that this is not our fault, that, that we're the victims here, we're the people that have been... Um, victimized by other nations and other powers, and, and so the prophet's going to kind of pick us up and lift our spirits. And Isaiah hits him with a sledgehammer. And I didn't read the first ten verses, but the ten, first ten verses aren't any softer than the ones I read. And you, you get these words. I mean, this is God speaking to the people. I am weary of you. You are a burden to me. Your sacrifices and your offerings are detestable. And this is not feel-good language. This is calling them to accountability. This is saying something is amiss. And, and, and what God is saying is, and, and the, the key verse, the key verse that pulls it all together is verse 15. And I think this is just heavy. This is just, I mean, hear this. When you spread out your hands in prayer, I hide my eyes from you. When you offer many prayers, I am not listening. Your hands are full of blood. And this is what has got God so riled up, so frustrated with His people. It's because they've been going through, they, they have practiced, and, and if you read kind of carefully in these texts, you, you see this. They've, they've done all the outward things of, of faith and, and faithfulness. They've, they've, done the, they've honored the holy days. They've gathered for their worship and their practices and their rituals. And they've done all these religious things, but they've lost the righteous things. They've got religion down, but they've lost righteous. And they are completely unfaithful. And they come, as God says, 
with dirty hands. And of course, if, if that's where our text ended, that's, that's pretty defeating. But see, there's hope here. There, there's hope. Verse 18 says this, says, Come now, let us settle the matter, says the Lord. Though your sins are like scarlet, they shall be white as snow. Though they are red as, clim- as crimson, they shall be like wool. And what God's saying is, is there is there's a means of, of cleansing here. There, there is a means of, of being made clean. There, there's a spiritual soap. We talked about kind of soap and, and being clean, and that's referenced, you, you find this in, in the Old Testament, references to, to soap and, and a physical example of, of being made spiritually clean. And, and God says there's a way. This isn't the end. This isn't the final judgment. There, there's, there's something that needs to be done. You can become spiritually clean. And so between those two things, we've got to wrestle with that. Well, what does that mean? How do we, how do, we do that? And so, so for fun, I, I went and I, I googled um, how to be spiritually clean, just to see what would come up. And uh, there's a lot of pages that come up to be spiritually clean. But there was a common theme. Very often you, you kind of get led to what I would call more a humanistic, um, new age kind of practices. And, and one of the rituals I came up, this is how you become uh, spiritually clean. First you take a bath. You physically clean yourself. Then you write down all the behaviors and practices that, that you want to, to change in your life. Then you meditate on the, on the negative list. And then you burn that list and you recite a, a mantra, I am clean, I am clean. I am clean. And, and that was a, a, a typical pattern of, of behavior. Now, I'm not standing up here to, to criticize other people's spiritual practices, but I want to, to frame it through the lens of faith and what it means to, to follow Jesus. Meditation and self-reflection is valuable. It is incredibly valuable, and it is absolutely a part of um, our faith. But the idea that we can cleanse ourselves is not. And the, the, the challenge that, that we run into is everything that I came across was inward. Everything was about self-reflection. Everything was about cleansing you from, from a mental and a, and a um, kind of an ethereal perspective. But, but we get a very, very different picture of what it means to get our hands cleaned in the Scripture. We get a very, very different picture here from Isaiah of what it means to get from this stage of, of condemnation, which is what God's doing. I mean, just laying into the people. It is over and over and over and over. And getting to that point where, where, where you're feeling pounded out to this place where God says, but, but the crimson can be made white. You can be made pure again. So, so what does it look like? Well, there's a, there's a verse in there I skipped right over intentionally. Because it's the transition. It's the verse that, that God says, this is, this is what I require of you. This is my expectation of you. So that your hands will not be full of blood. Verse 17. Learn to do what is right. Seek justice. Defend the oppressed. Take up the cause of the fatherless. Plead the case of the widow. See, everything I kept reading became self-reflective. You become clean by inward reflection. What God says is you, you become clean by outward engagement. You become clean not by wishing it to be so. You become clean by your faithfulness, by, by taking your faith and doing something with it. 
And, and the, the condemnation, the, the judgment upon the people is that, that you know this. Isaiah says you know this, and, and we do. Because it's throughout Scriptures. This isn't an isolated verse. You find these calls in the law of, of taking care of the widows and the orphans and the foreigners in your land. We find it in the prophets. We find it in wisdom literature, in the Psalms, and in the Proverbs. You get to the, to the, um, to the prophet Micah, and he says... What does God desire of you? Micah 6.8 You do justice, love mercy, and walk humbly with your God. And we get to the Gospels, and Jesus talks about it all the time. Building to the, the, the familiar verses in Matthew 25, when He says, when you didn't do it for anyone, you didn't do it for Me, but when you did it for the least of these, you did it for Me. The separation of the sheep and the goats. Basically calling faith to be an active, engaged faith. And Paul talks about it. And it's written about in the, the history of the church. I mean, just we could go on and on about the places that we're called for our faith to be active and engaged. And, and what the, the people are being called to accountability for. What, what Isaiah, what God is so angry through the words of Isaiah, is that you've done all the religious stuff and you've lost righteous. You've, you've lost the heart of, of your faith. And it's become all about you and, and your empty, detestable, meaningless rituals. And we sit there and go, how could they do that? How could they lose sight of that? And God's answer was, how do you? How, how do I lose sight of it? Because I do it too. I, I become wrapped up in the practice of faith rather than the living it out. And we begin to embody people that have the outward signs and have lost the inward heart. Because keep in mind, Isaiah's talking to the religious people. He's talking to the Jewish people. So, so if we want to contextualize that, this, this kind of message, if Isaiah showed up today, he'd be talking to us, those of us, us churchgoers. If you're a guest, you're here for the first time, you're off the hook. But, but if you go to church regularly, he's talking to us. And so if it doesn't make you squirm just a little bit, then go back and read it again until it does. Because he's calling us to this. And, and, and the, the, the wrestling that we have is what Paul talks about. I mean, Paul talks about the, this, this new nature and the, the old nature. I, I kind of thought of you know, those cartoons that we'd see as kids or movies where the, the character's wrestling with doing the right thing or doing the wrong thing. And you got the little angel that pops up on one shoulder and the devil that pops up on the other. You know, those kind of things. Well, well there, there's some truth there. We have this internal tug of war. And, and what, what the danger is, is when we begin to behave in ways that we know are contrary to the values and the faith that we profess. And, and the danger is, the more we do it, the easier it gets. And there's a, there's a process, and psychologists will tell you that, that what happens is we, we begin to, to rationalize. What happens is, first we begin to behave as if whatever those rules are, whatever that call is, doesn't apply to us. We see this in a small scale. You have to do this if you're standing. We've all been in an experience where we've been standing in a line and we've been waiting faithfully in our turn and somebody comes in and cuts and it kind of riles us up. Well, the behavior, what makes us so mad is the behavior is indicative of a mindset that says for whatever reason, that rule that says everybody's supposed to wait doesn't apply to me. And if we're honest, we've probably done that at some point in our life, tried to be sneaky, and that's what that means. I, I know that everybody's waiting, but for some reason... Because of, of whatever my rationale is, that doesn't apply to me. And so that's what we do. We rationalize it. We, we come up with ways that, it, well, it makes sense. It's okay. And then the more we do that, the easier it becomes. And the behavior becomes repetitive. And we do this in our faith walk. 
We, we have to be very aware of where these things creep in. Because we are called to the same calling as the, the people Isaiah is talking to. We are called to live out our faith in the way that we care for the least and the lost, the hungry, the needy, the broken, the hurting, the cast aside. And, and here's what happens. This is what I do. This is, this is my sin. I have to fight against it all the time. A few weeks ago, you remember the, the story in the Bradenton Herald that made national news, actually, of the, of the guy who pulled up to the guy who was panhandling. And he said, hey, I'll pay you $15 an hour, right? And the guy said, no, I don't want, I don't want to work. I want the handout. I remember he, met, he made his own sign, and he started standing behind him saying, I offered this guy a job, and he wouldn't take it. Now, we hear that, and that is frustrating. And we, we, so, but, but this is where the, where the process goes. Well, see, they, this is where we have to be careful, they, they're only trying to get a free meal. They're only trying to get a handout. They're trying to get the easy way. Now, do some people do that? Yes, of course they do. But they are doing that. And then what happens is our rationalization becomes, or we begin to rationalize. Well, I don't need to give. I don't need, because they, they don't use it right anyway. It's wasted. And we begin to stop living the faith that we're called to live. I'm not saying you have to give money to people at the corners. But when that becomes a reason not to care for the hurting and the hungry, then we've begun to rationalize behavior. That is exactly what Isaiah is talking about. That the people of Israel have done that. Well, we don't have to do those things because we do these things. Well, we go to church. We do all these rituals. And they've, they've stopped living their faith. And we have to be aware of that. There's different ways to, to, to be compassionate and caring and, and lift up the broken and the hurting and the needy. But what is a non-negotiable is that we're called to do it. We can talk all day long about the different ways we should do it, but, but you cannot make a case that says, well, God really doesn't care whether we take care of the hungry. Mm-mm. We might not do it, but we just got to admit we're just ignoring the Bible. We just because, eh, we're, we're going to do something different. Because that's what we're called. We're called to have this balance. There are these two words that we use often in, in theological reflection is orthodoxy, which is a word you've probably heard. Orthodoxy means right belief. And so it's an attention to we believe the right things. And, and are we proclaiming a, 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 a um, consistent and faithful faith, if you will. Well, hand in hand with that is a word called orthopraxy, which means right practice. And, and what Isaiah is calling the people out is, you've gotten the orthodoxy fine, but you've missed the practice. The orthopraxy has gotten lost. These two go hand in hand. Because those who have a strong orthodoxy but have lost an orthopraxy, Jesus has a word for them. You know what he calls them? Hypocrites. He calls them hypocrites. In Matthew 15, the Pharisees are getting mad at Jesus because the disciples aren't washing their hands properly before they eat. It's a religious ritual. And he calls them out. He calls them out. He says, you've got the orthodoxy. You've missed the practice of it. You've held on to your traditions and you've lost the heart. And our call, our challenge, our critique is to let God examine our lives in the same way. Are our hands clean when we come before the Lord? Are they, are, 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 is the faith that we sing about in here and that we proclaim and that we celebrate, how does it look out there? In the last week, talked about Jesus in that parable of building your house on the rock. And he says the one who builds his house on the rock is the person 
who does what I say. This is what he's talking about. This is what Jesus is talking about. How, how's our orthopraxy? It's, it's interesting. I went back and I read James chapter 2 this week. James chapter 2 has that verse in 17 that's faith without works is dead. And I, I, I was reading different translations, and I read the message. Some of you might be familiar with that um, version of the Bible. And I loved the way that, that it worded James 2. And this is, this is what we read in there. It says, Dear friends, do you think you'll get anywhere in this if you learn all the right words but never do anything? Does merely talking about faith indicate that a person really has it? For instance... You come upon an old friend dressed in rags and half-starved and say, Good morning, friend. Be clothed in Christ. Be filled with the Holy Spirit. And walk off without providing so much as a cup of water, a coat, or a cup of soup. Where does that get you? And this was the line I loved. Love this. Isn't it obvious that God talk without God acts is outrageous nonsense? God talk without God acts is outrageous nonsense. Now, the uncomfortable question, and I ask it of myself, is have I been somewhat guilty, yes, of some outrageous nonsense? God talk without God acts. What God says is it's time to wash up. It is time to wash up. We do not earn our salvation. It is God's gift. But we live it. We respond to it. And when we see the need, we're called to meet it. Paul says that, that when we do, we begin to give off an aroma of Christ. I thought about that aroma because soap so often has a pleasant aroma. How, how you know, our hands clean is our aroma pleasant? Are we, are we living that faith that says that what we do when we leave here gives evidence to the integrity of what we do when we're in here. So the challenge for us to ask ourselves is what's the condition of our hands? And to hear God's invitation that you can come and wash up. Amen? Let's pray. Lord, we, uh, we need to come confessional. And recognize that too often we just haven't, we haven't been faithful. Not the way that we're called to be. And to hear those words strong and sometimes even condemning words that you speak. Not that simply seeks to, to demoralize or to tear us down, but rather that invites us to a new way. A new building of our life in Christ that is faithful and obedient. Lord, wash us in every place that we need to be so that we can be faithful in the call of Christ which you've placed upon our lives. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen.